Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by guest pastor Jeremy Isaacs. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. If you got a Bible, I'd love for you to flip with me to the book of Exodus. We're going to continue in the series that Pastor Stephen has been in for a little while now called Gaining Momentum. And uh, while you're turning to the book of Exodus, we'll be in chapter 3 to start. We'll spend most of our time in chapters 4 and 5. But uh, while you're there, anybody still working on your New Year's resolutions? You're going to go and, you know, it's about three weeks into the new year. And statistics tell us that if uh, about 80% of the New Year's resolutions have already been lost, we've forgotten them. Uh, they say that if you can make it to the end of this month, which by the end of next week, uh, about 92%, I think it is, or 94% of New Year's resolutions will be lost. But if you can make it to the end of the first month, you are 80% more likely to make it all year long. And so here's what you need to know. If you, if you set out to read your Bible every day for 30 days, or you were going to work out for 30 days, or you weren't going to eat fried foods, and then on January 2nd, you had French fries or onion rings or whatever, it's okay Listen, just jump back in, pick it back up, keep going, because this can be your year, right? This can be your year. This is the year you said, hey, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to save money. I'm going to be a better dad, a better mom, a better husband. I'm going to be a better friend. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to read the Bible more. What if this really is your year? Well, guess what? What if God is looking down today on you and he has the same idea about you? What if he says, this is your year? This is your year. What if today God is looking right at you and he's saying, hey, this is the year that you're going to do things you just never thought you could accomplish. Well, I believe that that's how God views us. And I want us to read today in Exodus chapter 3 a little bit of the story of Moses where that's kind of what's happening. God is calling Moses to something that's going to be like, hey, this is going to change your life. This is going to transform your story. And Moses is going to give him all the reasons that he can't do it, that he's not capable to do all that God wants him to do. And so just to set up our time together today, I want to spend a few minutes in Exodus 3, and then we'll go into Exodus 4. So beginning in verse 7, this is what we find here. Moses has been walking in the wilderness with the sheep, and the bush blows up, and it's burning, but it's not being consumed. And God, the voice of God, speaks to Moses out of the bush, and the Lord says this. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Oh my. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, in these few verses, we see several things that are taking place here. Did you notice how many times God referred to himself? I have seen, I have heard, I know the oppression that they're facing. He also talks about the children of Israel. He says, my people, their enemies. He talks about the Egyptians, other groups of people. But throughout these four verses that we read, we only see him referring to Moses twice. He says the word you two times. They're both in the same sentence in the very last verse that we read, verse 10. And yet in this interaction, Moses gets confused and thinks the conversation is about him. 24 times in four verses, God refers to himself, 
the enemies of God or the people of God, and only two times does he refer to Moses, and yet Moses is having a conversation thinking that he is the center of the story. Now, I know nobody at the house ever falls into that trap, just the people at my church, right? But we are convinced that the story of humanity revolves around us, and I came today to tell you it ain't about you. It ain't about you. And if I, if I just rocked your world or broke your heart, I'm sorry, but I don't care because I'm leaving. Take it up with Pastor Stephen, all right? Because listen, the story is not about you. You know what the story of God is about? God. When Jesus came to the earth, you know who the story of God was about? It was still about God, but it was through the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the hope of the world to us so that we who are hopeless, who can't do it on our own, who don't have the ability to do everything God is calling us to, we can be equipped by God and empowered by God, experience the presence of God, and we have hope because of Jesus Christ. It's not our story. The story's not about us. And yet we fall into the same trap that Moses falls into because we're having conversations with God as he's talking about the things that are going to take place. And we think it's about us. And if I were God, and thank God I'm not God. I said that in the first service. You're all lucky I'm not God. But if I were God, I'd be looking down at Moses and going, you know, you don't listen very well. You're going to tell me in a minute you got a stuttering problem. You don't talk so well. You don't listen very well either because I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me, and I'm talking about my people, and I'm talking about their condition, and I'm talking about their enemies, and I'm going to deal with them. I will deliver my people, and I need you to bring them out. Now, when we hear that, sometimes we still think a lot of it depended on Moses. But there were two words right there that are important. The word deliver in the original language literally means to snatch out, to snatch out. The word bring means to accompany. And so what God is saying to Moses is, I'm going to go into Egypt and snatch my people out of their bondage and captivity, and you just have to escort them out. You don't have to do anything. I will deliver my people. I will do the supernatural. I will accomplish something great to overcome their captors. You just have to bring them with you when you leave Egypt. Just don't forget them, right? Sometimes my wife will tell me that. She'll say, hey, um, come meet me and don't forget to bring the kids. Like I'm going to forget my own. Well, I've done it a couple of times, but I'll just say, don't forget. What she's saying is bring them with you. That's what God's saying to Moses. He's saying, I will deliver my people. I will snatch them out from their oppressors. You just have to bring them. And yet in this conversation, as God and Moses are having this conversation, Moses is trying to convince God, I can't do it. I can't do what you're asking me to do. You ever felt like that? God, I can't do what you want me to do. I'm not capable. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not skilled enough. I don't have enough confidence in my life. I cannot do what you are asking me to do. If you have ever felt like that, ever in your life, even one time, maybe today, If you've ever felt like that, let me just say to you that you are primed to be used by God because it is your shortcomings and your insecurities and your vulnerabilities and your flaws that cause you to be right in position for God to use you rather than you be someone who is overconfident and proud and convinced that your skills and your abilities are exactly what God would use. No, 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 that's the proud, and I believe that God shuns away from that. And here you have two choices. You can humble yourself or God can humble you to get you to the place where he can use you. And I would rather humble myself than God to humble me. That does not sound like a, an easy process. And so I would say to you today, if you've ever felt like you weren't qualified, 
Welcome to the club. You're not. Neither am I, neither are any of us, because God desires to use us to be a part of his kingdom work because the story is about him. He did not come looking for your ability. He's just looking for your availability. He just wants you to be willing to go. Just go where he calls you to go. Go do what he wants you to do, which is just to accompany his work. He's doing the work. Just be a part of it. Just get involved in what God is doing. And yet Moses still is not convinced. Look at this in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered, Behold, they, not Pharaoh, not the enemy, not the Egyptians, they, my own people, the children of Israel, the Hebrew people, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. This is like a rod that he would have used as he's tending the sheep there. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. That's the most obvious verse in all the Bible. Moses ran from the snake on the ground that used to be in his hand. So he said, God said to him, what is in your hand? He said, it's a staff. A staff is that thing that a shepherd would have used. It's a rod that he would have used to, 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 use, uh, to, to help the sheep in the wilderness. Sometimes he would have used it to gently poke the sheep, to get them going. Sometimes kind of to prod them a little heavier. Sometimes to beat them over the head with it. Just to keep them moving in that process. He would have used it to walk along in some of the maybe dangerous terrain that he would have been walking there in the wilderness. But he, it would have been ordinary. It would have been something he had every single day. He probably had carvings and markings on it that he would have done as he was waiting on the sheep to finish eating or drinking. And he just, it was just a friend to him. He had it in his hand every single day. It was something ordinary to him. This is an image that we see played out throughout scripture. What's in your hand? We see that David comes to fight against Goliath, the enemy of God, the the enemies of the people of God, and all he has in his hand was a slingshot and eventually a few little rocks. And his brothers and his his own uh, men that were with him there, they were convinced that it wasn't enough for him to defeat Goliath. Even the king tried to put his own armor on David because he wasn't convinced that the slingshot and the rocks that were in his hand were enough for him to defeat the enemy of God. And yet, David had a confidence that what was in his hand would work. Later in the Gospels, we see Jesus, and he's out doing ministry, and there's four or 5,000 people in, in a couple of different settings. At one time, there's 5,000 people that need to eat, 5,000 men and the women and children. And Jesus says to the disciples, what do you have to feed them? What is in your hand? And they're like, we don't really have anything. There's one little boy. Of all the thousands of people, only the one little boy thought to bring a lunch, right? <laughs> only one little boy. What do you have in your hand? This is an example that we see throughout Scripture. What do you have in your hand? That's the question. Everybody look at your hands. What do you have down in your hands right now? Nothing? Your phone? A pen? A notebook? Well, think about it figuratively. What is it that is in your hand? Maybe it's something that God has given to you, a skill, a passion, a gifting, your personality. It's just normal. It's just ordinary. It's your your staff. It's your rod. You have it every day with you. It doesn't seem special to you, but it's in your hand. It's, it's, It's a part of your life. It's a part of your story. It's so ordinary to you that you can't imagine that it would be anything. And yet God says to Moses, what's in your hand? He says it's a staff. He says, release it. And it turns into a snake and Moses runs away. Keep reading in verse four. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it, the snake, by the way, by the tail. 
So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand again. God says, what's in your hand? He says, a staff. He says, throw it down. He does. It becomes a snake, and Moses runs away. Eventually, Moses comes back. We don't know how, when, what God said, if the snake stopped moving, if he thought it died. I don't know. But eventually, Moses gets close enough for God to say, pick it up by the tail, at which point I say, no, God, no. (laughs) This is my first act of disobedience. I'm not doing it. But Moses reaches out, grabs the snake by the tail, and what happens? Turns back into a staff. It was a staff in his hand. It was ordinary, right? He throws it down. It becomes a snake. He picks it back up. It becomes a staff again. What do you have in your hand? Your personality, your giftings, your abilities, your passions. What if God is saying, release it to me? What you hold in your hand that's natural and ordinary to you, when you release it to God, it becomes the supernatural. It becomes the miraculous. And then when you pick it back up again, it's natural. It's to you. You have it. It's your personality, your gifts, your, the things in your life. When you release it to God, it becomes supernatural. You pick it back up. It becomes ordinary and natural to you. What do you have in your hands today? Will you release it to God? That's what he's asking. Will you release it to God? Will you give me what you have? Will you give me what you assume is ordinary? You would think, I can't use a staff. I can't use a rod. No, it's just, I just like to sing in the shower. It's, it's nothing, right? But what if God said, I want you to sing on the stage? You got to put clothes on first. Other than that, what if he said, I want you to sing? Yeah, I'm, I don't know that I'm a good enough singer. I just, I'm just, it's just ordinary. I just kind of sing, you know, in the shower. I've got one of those Bluetooth speakers and I sing along to it. And I mean, that's just what I'd you say, no, I'm, 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 just, I'm just extroverted. I just like people. I could talk to that wall right there for 20 minutes, right? I got an amen back here. So it's like, I could just, I'm just, that's just, but what if God said, what if you release that to me? What if you're a greeter? What if you'd come in and actually welcome people into the house of God? Because we don't know if they walked in today and they said, God, this is the last time. This is my last chance, God. I, this is the last time I'm giving you a chance. And you've released your personality and the, the friendliness that you have that people have told you your whole life. And you're standing at the door and you say, hey, welcome to the house. We're so glad you're here. Right. And they say, you're, you're glad I'm here? Yeah. Nobody's ever been glad I'm anywhere. And in that moment, God used what you released to him and it became supernatural, and it met them at a place of need, and you just thought you were friendly, yeah. right? What if you release to God the things that are in your hands? Maybe what's in your hand is your past, the story that you're ashamed of, that, 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 that story that, man, you've got shame and regret about it, and you wish you wouldn't have walked through it, and it's just ordinary to you. You've held it for a long time. You're afraid to let people know. But what if God said to you, what if you jumped into a life group, like you've already heard a couple of times today, you jump into a life group and you're sitting in a circle in somebody's living room and somebody asks a question and in that moment you hear God say, release it, release your story, lay it down. And you say, hey, I'll, you know, let me just tell you guys, I don't know, some of you don't know me that well. Here's what I've walked through in my life. Here's some things that I've done. I'm not proud of them, but here's how God redeemed me. Here's what God's done in my life. And you hear somebody across the way go, well, I didn't know that's what you've walked through. I've walked a similar journey in my life. And man, it became the supernatural of God because you were willing to release it out of your hands. It's just the ordinary to you. It's just natural. You just held on to it for a long time. But if you will release it to God and see what God can do with what is in your hands. But Moses is still not convinced. Verse 10. 
Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, O my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth, and I will be with his mouth, and will teach you both what to do. Moses is still not convinced. And he says to God, God, I'm not eloquent. I, I, I've not been, I, I don't speak so well. You, you ever told God something you thought was news to him? <laughs> you ever told him something like, you, you're just convinced he didn't know. It caught him by surprise. This is, the, this is the conversation Moses is having with God right now. He's like, God, I, uh, I, I'm not very eloquent. I, I've, I've got a, a stutter, stuttering problem. I, I have since the past. And then I love that he says, and I also have had it since you've been talking to your servant. Like, God, in case you've not, I don't know if the signal's getting through here, but like, it's, I'm not really eloquent. And God's like, oh, you're kidding me. I had no idea. I did not. I, honestly, it's been pretty clear up here where I'm at. I'm not sure how that happened. But by the time it gets to me, it all makes sense. I mean, Moses, I, I, yeah, let's go pick somebody else. Moses is like, listen, I'm not eloquent. I don't, I don't speak very plainly or clearly. I don't, I don't know if you know who you're calling here. I, I don't really have it all together. I'm not good enough for what you need me to do. And yet God said, no, who, who do you think made man's mouth? Who do you think gives him the ability or the inability? It's me. I, I've done that. But then Moses says, listen, I, I, but seriously, just pick somebody else. I mean, again and again, he pushes back and just pick somebody else. And you would think in this moment, as God starts to change the conversation and says, okay, don't, isn't there Aaron, your brother, the Levite? He's going to come meet you. He's going to be glad in his heart when he gets there to see you. So that's great. Aaron's coming. You would think God is letting Moses off the hook, but I got news for you. He's not. Because did you notice what he actually said to him in verse 15? You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. Moses, I'm not letting you off the hook. You still have to do the talking. You have to actually talk to tell Aaron what to say. Maybe you don't have to talk to all the people. Maybe you don't have to be the one to talk to Pharaoh, but I'm not letting you off the hook. I've called you for a purpose and you cannot get away from it. You still have to speak. And then God says something really interesting. It's a little bit odd. He says, I will be with your mouth. God will actually be with your giftings your callings, your anointings. He'll be with the staff that you have. He'll be with what he has equipped you for. Because here's the reality. God isn't calling you to go somewhere. He won't go with you. And he's not calling you to something he isn't equipping you for. That's the reality of who God is and what he is promising to all of us, that he will be with us and he will be with our mouth if we're called to speak. He will be with our staff. If we will release it to God, it turns into the supernatural. God will be with us. He will equip us, but he will not let us off the hook. He still calls us to do what he originally called us to do. You have to speak and tell him what to say. And I said this in the first service. I cannot prove this. 
I can't prove this, but because of this, where he's still got to speak and he's still got to tell Aaron, I'm convinced that there may have been times in the story later. This is not in the Bible. I'm probably a heretic for saying this. It's just the way I believe it. If it's not true, write Pastor Stephen an email. It's fine. I'm leaving town. But I got to think that there were moments in the story when Aaron stands to speak to Pharaoh When Aaron stands to speak to the children of God and Moses is standing back and he told Aaron what to say. And he's standing there and he's watching it take place and there's a little bit in his heart that goes, I should have said yes. I should have said yes. I mean, I figured out how to tell Aaron. Surely I could have figured out how to tell them. I figured out how to get enough confidence to speak these words to Aaron with the Lord's help. I mean, God really has been with me. God really is moving in me. So I, I... I just, I wish I would have said yes. Don't live a life of regret. Don't cause yourself to get to a place where you wish you would have said yes. Just say yes to God. So Moses and Aaron go to the people. They perform the signs and the wonders. The people rally to them. And then Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh. And they say, Pharaoh, let God's people go. We're going to go out into the desert for three days. We're going to do this meal, this journey. We're going to go out. And Pharaoh, just as God predicted, said, no, you can't do it. I'm not going to let you go. And so then what happens is instead of letting them go, he actually makes it harder for them. Up to this point, they have been, the children of Israel, they have been as captives of Egypt. They've been building, making bricks so that the Egyptians could take those bricks and build the things that some of us are still looking at now around the world that we just revel in. What the Egyptians were able to produce, well, the children of Israel produced some of the bricks to make some of those statues and monuments and things that we even see today. But up to this time, what has happened is that the Egyptians gave them the straw to make the bricks. But now Pharaoh says, he turns his heart, his heart is hardened according to what God is trying to accomplish here. His heart is hardened and he says, now they got to make the same number of bricks in the same amount of time, but they got to go gather their own straw. Well, you and I can do the math. There's no way that they can go gather the straw and make the bricks and make the same amount of bricks in the same amount of time. It's just not possible. And so they start to, they're now beaten. They're punished for what's happening when they don't meet their quota. And so they go back to Pharaoh and look at what happens here in Exodus 5, 20 and 21. They, the children of Israel, the leaders, met with Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because, he, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. You have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and you've put a sword in their hand. How dare you? When I read this, I recognize that the story is not about me. I said that earlier. It's not about you. There's a larger story that's taking place right here. And God had to harden Pharaoh's heart so that Pharaoh would not allow them to leave. So that God could perform the miraculous sign after miraculous sign after miraculous sign. So that the people of God would see the provision of God over their lives. So that when God said through Moses and Aaron, it's time for us to walk out on dry land. They would trust God enough to walk out and that they would go. Because God knew that as they leave that place, they go out into the wilderness. Out in front of them is a promised land for them and for God's people. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about them. And yet in their moment of suffering, they lost sight of that. In their moment of pain, they lost sight of the fact that the story wasn't about them. And they said, how dare you come and try to get involved in this story and now we're worse off than we were before. 
Maybe you're there today. Maybe where you're at, life's not working out like you thought, and you think your present suffering and your present hardship and your present pain, it's about you, and you're just convinced that God has forgotten about you. Nobody at this church cares about you. You're not in the plans of God, the will of God. But even in the plans of God, what we see here is that suffering can happen. Hardship can take place. We don't like to talk about it. But it's a larger story. God is doing something larger. He had to allow them to go through this moment so he could get them to the next moment. Your present circumstances are a part of a larger process. Your present suffering is a part of a larger story. So you got to be patient in the present so that you can see that larger payoff. And, And I'm telling you, I know that's hard. It's easy to say. It's hard to live out. But when I'm in my healthiest place spiritually... And I can zoom out a little bit from the emotions of the moment. And I can say to God, God, what in the world might you be doing here? How in the world might this be a part of your larger plan? What is it that you could be accomplishing through the hardships that I'm experiencing right now, through the pain that I'm experiencing? God, what in the world could you be doing? In those moments, it's when I just feel the presence of God just kind of lean in and say, you know what, I'm right here. There's a larger story. Maybe I can explain it to you in that moment. Maybe he can't. But there's a larger story that's taking place. And God says, if you'll just trust me, there's something so much better for you right on the other side. Just stay faithful. Just trust me. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says this, And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. My fear for some of us is that we've given up too soon. We've given up before we've been able to reap. We've just walked through the hardship and the suffering, and we've said, this is too hard, I'm out, I'm done. And we give up, and if we would have just continued just a little while longer, we would have been able to reap and see all that God was trying to do in our lives and through our lives. And so today, I I come really just with a closing question or two. Do you believe that God can actually use you to accomplish what he's calling you to? You say, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not skilled enough. I don't have the right background. I, I, I wasn't raised in church. I've not been in the church very long. I, I, you know, I, I don't really. Do you believe that God can actually use you to do what he's called you to do? And the second question for us today is maybe when you're walking through some hardship When you're walking through moments that you don't understand, maybe you want to be used by God, but you're not seeing it yet. Are we willing to submit to the authority of our lives and trust that God is in control? I'm a big proponent of submission and authority, and I believe with all of my heart that if I will be submitted to the ultimate authority of my life, Jesus Christ, and those that are in authority over me, that I will reap authority in my life. I'll reap submission in my life from those that are below me. And that's in your home and on your job and in your school and in the church. I believe it with all of my heart. And so the question today is, do I see myself the way God sees me as someone who's competent and able to do all that he's called me to do and equipping me to do? Or do I see myself as someone who can't and is not enough and is not good enough and can't accomplish enough? And the staff that I hold is not what God can use. He uses other things, better things, not my things. And am I able to submit And see the larger story that's taking place around me. Recognizing I'm not the center of the story. Today, as we close, I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Nobody looking around. Just a moment of 
you meditating on just kind of the goodness of God in your life and just kind of reflecting over what we've experienced up to this point in our service today. Maybe you would just say out loud, man, I I love you, Lord. I thank you, God. I thank you for what you're doing today. Nobody looking around if today you would just say, hey, the first decision I've got to make, I've got to submit my life to Jesus Christ. I've got to accept him as the Lord and Savior of my life. I need him to forgive my sins. I need him to lead and guide and direct me from this moment forward. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at and put it right back down? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Maybe today you say, hey, listen, for me, I just want to be used by God. I, I just want to take the staff that I have in my hand, just the personality or the skills or the giftings, even if I'm assuming they're not good enough, I want to be used by God, and I'm willing today to say yes. I'm willing to release those things back to God to allow him to use them in ways that I never thought possible. I want to say yes today. Would you lift your hand right where you're at? Put it right back down. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.